Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interest podcast series. I'm James McCormack, head of the Sovereign Group at Fitch, and I'm joined by Jan Friedrich, head of Middle East and Africa Sovereigns. Today, we're going to discuss rating developments in the rating outlook in Sub-Saharan Africa, as well as the G20 and Paris Club Debt Service Suspension Initiative and how that is being applied across the region. So Jan, let's start with the biggest issue facing sovereigns globally in 2020 and into 2021, that being COVID-19. How are the economies in Sub-Saharan Africa coping with the crisis and what are the growth prospects for 2021? Yeah, thank you, James. One thing that's interesting about the region is that the decline in growth from 2019 to 2020 was actually the lowest among all major regions. And this reflects generally limited containment measures, partly because the high levels of informality just didn't make that feasible in much of the region. And maybe also, whether through lack or structural conditions, relatively low infection rates. What that means for 2021 is, of course, that the limited deterioration in 2020 will then mean that there will be less of a rebound effect that in other regions would be pushing up growth rates quite substantially. Of course, we need to emphasize that there's a lot of divergence within the region. So worst affected this year certainly were the small island economies, Seychelles and Cabo Verde, And the recovery in 2021 will depend a lot on the timing of the return of long-distance travel, which remains very much uncertain. The other big group that was quite badly hit was the oil exporters, partly because of the OPEC plus production cuts, but also because oil revenues externally and fiscally are just so important and and the government is an important part of of driving the the even the non-oil economy. Then also specifically in Southern Africa, there were actually quite tight lockdowns, um, notably in South Africa, and that has hit growth quite badly. And there, of course, there will be a bit more of a rebound effect because, again, in the second quarter this year, there was a lot of production simply not happening that will be happening in 2021. But really important is that a lot of the more diversified economies are actually seeing positive growth in 2020. And we would expect them to be returning to really quite strong trend growth relatively quickly. And there the question about their growth prospect is really more about the sustainability, because in many cases, these relatively strong trend growth rates are driven by quite heavy investment in capital expenditure. Okay, let's pick up on a couple of the issues that you mentioned and start with debt. Debt levels in the region have been rising for some time. After the COVID shock, what are the prospects for public and external finances in the region? Yeah, so firstly, I think it's it's just important to highlight again what you said, that the region entered the crisis in an already weakened position with a median government debt uh, relative to GDP up from around a little below 30% of GDP in 2012 to 57% in 2019. And now we see it's rising to 70% at the end of 2020. But again, there's is quite a bit of differentiation. And many of the diversified economies that, that didn't actually see that much of a hit to growth in 2020 
we'll only see a small increase in government debt levels. And a lot of the emphasis of the driving for the rise in median debt ratios comes from the commodity exporters and particularly the oil exporters. And there, on the one hand, it's, of course, the direct impact, given that oil revenues are so important for them. But it's also, in some cases, the fact that a lot of their currencies have depreciated quite sharply, and a lot of their debt is denominated in foreign currency. And so the debt-to-GDP ratio would have been driven up by the depreciation. So maybe just to raise also the external financial situation, that has been managed quite carefully. And it's interesting to see that, in fact, international reserve levels across the region, in some cases, have declined. But in most cases where there has been a decline, the decline has been quite modest. That's really something that can be attributed in most cases to the relatively strong support from the international financial institutions and much less so to a flexible exchange rate. Um, So Angola and Zambia had significant depreciations that helped contain pressures on reserves. But uh, elsewhere, that was not really an important driver. And um, then in Nigeria, reserves were protected by the fact that the authorities imposed relatively restrictive conditions for accessing external exchange. Okay, thanks, Jan. Let's let's zero in on a specific issue. Zambia defaulted on a euro bond in in November. Uh, What is the risk of further sovereign default in sub-Saharan Africa? Yeah, I mean, the starting point for answering that is, is maybe to look at the countries that are currently at triple C, which are Angola, Cabo Verde, the Republic of Congo and and Mozambique. And all of these countries now have debt ratios above 100% of GDP. Most of them have debt tolerance that's relatively weak. And our definition of triple C essentially means that the risk of a default is a real possibility. Most of the other sub-Saharan African sovereigns are rated at B, which means that there is a material risk of default, but a limited margin of safety remains. So we are certainly not expecting defaults for this region, but we need to emphasize that, of course, the crisis has meant that risk levels are really exceptionally high. And it's also worth emphasizing the role of the international financial institutions in potential routes or paths towards a default. The World Bank and the IMF have recently been particularly clear that they advise all countries where debt levels are already at unsustainable levels to try to restructure debt as as soon as possible. And that, of course, could in, in some cases also affect the private sector creditors that are the basis of our definition of default. That could be one direction where default pressure could come from, the advice of international financial institutions. Okay, and last question for you. Uh, Cote d'Ivoire recently issued on quite favorable terms. What are the prospects for financing in the region and how important is the debt service suspension initiative in reducing financing pressure going forward? Firstly, the issuance from Cote d'Ivoire was quite interesting. It was at very low yields, but it was the first by any sub-Saharan African sovereign since the pandemic crisis started in March. And of course, back then, markets had closed. But I'd certainly say that for most of the sub-Saharan African sovereigns in the B category or above, markets are now now open again. And so we 
would expect a good number of further solvents to be accessing international markets again in 2021. Of course, that would include South Africa, but uh, um, it could also include Nigeria, Cote d'Ivoire, and a number of others. The reason for the normalization of access to international financing, and clearly one of them is the normalization of risk appetite globally and the return of investors into riskier assets, to a large extent driven by very strong, very supportive monetary policies in in the developed world. But it's probably also the case that the really quite energetic efforts by the IMF in particular, in terms of its, its emergency financing, helped the region regain confidence of investors. And um, so the IMF dispersed $13.5 billion so far this year to rich-rated sovereigns in the region. And you should assume that that was an important support. The DSSI was also a significant contributor to easing immediate financing pressures, but it's quite difficult to to quantify exactly by how much. So if we look at the numbers that presumably would have been available, we would be estimating something like $9 billion for the Sub-Saharan African sovereigns re-rates that are participating, which for them is a significant number. Um, And of course, the initiative is now being extended. It was initially planned to expire at the end of December. It's now going up to June and may well be extended again until the end of 2021. And that has meant that at least one Kenya, one sovereign that had previously decided not to participate, are thinking about reversing that decision and and joining the initiative. Just to highlight again, because that is quite important in understanding the rating perspective on the DSSI, is that as long as it's only involving official creditors, we would typically not treat as rescheduling under the DSSI as a default. That would change if private sector creditors are involved. But at this stage, that is not predicted and is not really incorporated and brought into any waiting actions so far. Okay. Thank you, Jan. We will leave it there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. For more insights on Sub-Saharan Africa and our sovereigns ratings more generally, please visit our website, fitchratings.com. We hope you'll join us for the next edition of the Fixed Interest Podcast.